You're listening to a Los Angeles Sports Nation production, enhancing your Los Angeles sports fan experience. Okay, welcome back to the Mob Squad Pod. This is episode 11. Uh, we're going to do things a little bit differently than we had originally planned. What we had planned was another guest to join us this week, and we're going to discuss the AFC East. Plans changed last minute, so what we're going to do is we're still going to cover the AFC East. We're just going to do it amongst myself, Aaron, and Manny. No guests this week. Um, we did reach out to him, and he did say that he's you know willing to come in the future, so hopefully we'll just do it again down the line. But as of now, it's just going to be me, Manny, and Aaron. So what's up, guys? How's it going? What's up, Nick? What's up, Nick? How you doing, man? Uh, Good. You know, my day started off kind of just bland, and then I got some good news. Apparently, we're going to get baseball this season after hey! all. So, yes. Yeah. So Woo! I'm pretty, I'm Yankees pretty 28th title coming up. Uh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> When was that last World Wrong Series? Pod. Wrong pod. 2009. Sorry, sorry. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Damn. So, welcome uh, back, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, welcome back, man. Really missed you. Um, I had pretty much just given up on baseball this season. I had figured that there wasn't going to be any, or if we did get it some, it was going to be a really stupid amount, like 40 games or something. And it wasn't going to be worth watching. Um, but it sounds like they're finally kind of coming to an agreement and it sounds like we're going to get, I think like 60 games or something like that was what I heard. Uh, and I think they're going to play, I think the season starts July 19th and they're going to finish up around September. They're going to do some uh, expanded playoff format kind of thing. So should be pretty cool. Um, I certainly I'll take something over nothing. Um, and supposedly the NBA is going to be coming back soon. Um, I think the only and the NHL is coming back soon. Apparently, I think the only sport that's kind of maybe still up in the air is college football or college athletics in general. Um, but we'll see. I think everyone is still kind of taking the whole COVID thing as as like a uh, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll deal with it when it happens kind of thing. Um, and I think Manny, you've got a lot going on in the Florida area. So yeah, of course. Um, like when, like, like when, when isn't there news going on in Florida, whether if it's the <laughs> pandemic or sports or anything like Florida is just the capital of basically the world's news right now. And it's, uh, it's quite, it's quite a, you know, every single day I just, you know, look on my phone on Twitter or go on the TV at Miami, Orlando, Sarasota, you know, all these, uh, all these cities in Florida are, are always in the news for some reason. So, uh, yeah, nothing new. I saw today the something about the Orlando International Airport. And like yeah, over two hundred positive tests or something like that. That's so, crazy. so I'm trying to figure out. So the NBA is trying to get started next month, right? So, um, and also the news also broke out last week that they also said whatever news outlet, media reporter or whatnot, um, wants to cover that, they have to end up staying there in quarantine for an extra three months. Like, who the heck wants to be in Orlando for an extra three months? Now, people say, oh, well, you can go to Disney and you can go to Universal. Uh-uh, ladies and gentlemen, you got to stay in the area where the players are and the coaches. And that's basically away from everybody else. So, yeah, that's why they're calling it the bubble. It's literally the bubble. a bubble. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can't leave the bubble. 
You know, so if you bring your cat with you into the bubble, guess what, my friend? You're staying in there with your cat for an extra three months. And I have no idea who wants to do that after this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, sports in 2020 is wild. Listen, you it's know, listen, at least at least um, basketball has a plan. Baseball is trying to have a plan. Football is just like, you know, we're Gucci. We're going to sit here until August, end of July with training camp. You know, if we have to play without fans, that's fine. We know people are going to pay Sunday ticket and whatnot. The only question is, though, college sports. I mean, we've seen players come back and, you know, all, there's already outbreaks in, in Alabama. There's, all, there's outbreaks in Auburn. It's going to be difficult, especially with college football. How do you control 90-plus athletes from, you know, getting sick and from being, you know, if you contaminate each other, that's quite difficult to do in a crowded locker room. I just don't see how that's going to happen. Yeah, I definitely fear the season's going to be uh, tarnished before it even starts. Yeah, um, I'm trying not to get my hopes up too much, um, but it sounds like, I don't know, It's it sounds kind of pessimistic. It sounds like it's going to be really sketchy whether these seasons even happen or not. So yeah. certainly not with fans in attendance. I don't think that's going to happen at all um, no. with any of the sports. I think that would be pretty shocking um so we'll see i'd still rather have sports than none at all so Facts. um i'm here I'm, I'm, I'm here just trying to watch soccer without fans and i'm already having tons of difficulties with that but hey i, I like i rather see it so <laughs> it is what it is well, yeah serves you right for trying to watch soccer in the first place whoa, whoa right? hey come on don't do that <laughs> hey listen if there's if there's one team that is still planning on playing that's the la rams and that's all that counts right <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, even though they might not be able to play in California, so we'll see. How that goes. <laughs> That's another thing. They're gonna be the imagine, Las Vegas Rams. Imagine if both teams in LA ha- look like they literally have to move and play in Vegas. Oh my god! Uh, I'm the sure rivalry. Vegas wouldn't mind. They would be yeah. raking in money. Oh my gosh! So they wouldn't care. I mean, listen, like they, the Pro Bowl is already gonna be there. Yeah, so you might as well have teams just play there as well, if anything. The NFL is going to basically create their own bubble. And instead of being in Florida, they're just going to create a bubble in Vegas. Nobody's allowed beyond the strip. Okay. That's fine with me. (laughs) Yeah. Vegas wouldn't care. They'd be raking in probably billions of dollars. Oh my gosh. It should be outrageous. Yeah. They wouldn't care. Um, The uh, division we're talking about this week is the AFC East. So before we get started, individual teams, I'm going to give you just a little bit of a snapshot kind of, the division. So obviously it's not news to anybody. The division has been ran by new England for the past 20 seasons. Um, And that all starts with Brady and Belichick. That's like the finite point in time where if you go to the timeline and look, that's where it all starts. Uh, Basically uh, the rest of the division now is kind of just licking their chops because Brady's gone. He's now a Buccaneer. And everyone's kind of thinking New England is, you know, ripe for the taking. So everyone's kind of thinking this is their chance to seize their opportunity and win the division now. Uh, going into the 2019 season, the Pats were actually the, the defending Super Bowl champs for the sixth time. Um, the last time the Patriots didn't win the AFC East was in 2008 when the Dolphins beat them in a tiebreaker. Ooh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Um, I was yeah, still in high so- school. <laughs> uh i was three years at high school uh so yeah so it's been a minute um this has been a run of dominance that is pretty unprecedented um the only thing i can think of is 
the Braves in the nineties, when they had like 20 something straight division championships, um, the San Antonio Spurs come to mind with their runs of dominance. Um, some of the old, you know, Jordan bulls teams, like this is a dynasty. I mean, it's pretty, pretty obvious. Um, people can hate the Patriots all they want, but I mean, that's just a fact. Um, Interesting note that I found that I thought was worth sharing. Uh, both perfect seasons in professional football have been achieved by teams in this division. The 1972 Dolphins completed the only perfect season in professional football at 17 and 0, and the 2007 Patriots were 18 and 0 before losing in the Super Bowl. Uh, so I thought that was pretty interesting that both teams came from this one division. And since the division's uh, establishment in 1960, uh, the division has represented itself in 20 Super Bowls and won nine of them. So pretty cool. Um, In 2012, the Patriots broke a tie with the Dolphins, winning the most division titles. And then with subsequent titles in 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18, (laughs) the Patriots have now won 21 AFL AFC East division titles uh, to Miami's 14. The bills have won 10 and the jets have won four. Uh, So yeah. Um, Unbelievable run that came to an end. Right. I mean, I guess, I mean, Cause we've already had this talk without Brady, you know, I, you know, like to me personally, I, I just don't see Bill Belichick doing anything without Brady. And I know we, you know, we all have, you know, like our main cues and notes and say, well, you know, that wasn't really the case. But to me personally, I, that's how I feel. I feel like Bill Belichick won because of Brady and that's the way that it seems. So that's the way I see it. I don't know how you guys see that. I would say last season the defense is what kept the Patriots alive. But okay, so, okay, uh, I would say so previous Brady years. Had, yeah, Aaron, Brady's. okay, so Brady had one bad season. But overall, yeah, like, say, they won because of Tom Brady. Like Tom Brady has records in passing yards, touchdowns, and yardage, and even sneaks, you know, in the Super Bowl by itself. You know, like I, I just don't see any other quarterback that could have played for the Patriots that could have done that he would have done in that system with Bill Belichick. Now, you probably take him away from a Josh McDaniels type of offense. Okay, well, you know, maybe there's a little bit something there. I mean, there's the season two with Matt Castle where Brady went out injured and then Castle came in and had a pretty productive season as well. I'm not discrediting Brady. I think he's a fantastic quarterback, but. Uh, I think there's still opportunity. Uh, You look at the guy who went over to the 49ers now, Jimmy G. I mean, he had a lot of potential and, um, you know, Patriots drafted him. So I think, I think they are are pretty good with drafting quarterbacks. I think uh, Belichick, unfortunately, I feel he's a somewhat of a cheater, but he has an (laughs) eye for quarterbacks. Uh, Another Uh, Boston team labeled as a cheater. All right, here we go. Uh, but no, I I agree with you, I man. I mean, <laughs> I know what you're referencing, by the way. Prove it to me. Let's talk about that Yankees letter that's un, that hasn't been unsealed Nothing's yet. Nothing's proved yet. Yeah. Nothing's Never heard of this thing. I don't know what yeah. report you're reading. Uh huh. So I think I think you guys bring up a good point because that's kind of um, in sports in general, right? Whether it's baseball, football, basketball there's always been an argument that who who should get more credit the player or the coach because some people argue like what you're saying 
Bill Belichick wouldn't be Belichick without Tom Brady. Just like people make the argument that Phil Jackson wouldn't be Phil Jackson without Michael Jordan or mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant or Shaquille O'Neal or Greg Popovich wouldn't be Greg Popovich without Tim Duncan. So some people make the argument that players are what actually make the team. It's not the coach and coaching has a very small impact. Um, I think it varies from team to team. Honestly, I don't think you can make one blanket statement and just say that coaching is what's important or the players are what's, I think you kind of just have to look at the situation and, and kind of gauge it for yourself. Um, Agreed. But based on like what Aaron was saying, when Matt Castle came in, they still produced and they still were phenomenal. Um, in a weak division. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah, the, like the Miami Dolphins won a division with Chad Pennington. Yeah. And that's, that's yeah, another the, thing. The that whole you like can, Wildcat was also like the, like the other thing that came out of that year. Yeah. 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 You can caveat it and there's lots of things you could say, but uh, based on the small sample size we've seen when Brady's not playing, the Patriots do seem to do pretty well without him or when he has a you know poor performance by his standards so it's it's interesting to note and um before we get started and start talking about the teams individually i did find something that was i think worth bringing up and it kind of brings up your guys's point about the afc east as a whole being kind of a weak division um basically since tom brady and bill belichick started their little run of dominance the other teams in this division have had so much instability at quarterback. It's insane. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why the Patriots have been so dominant is because the consistency that they have is far and away better than every other team. The Bills have had 17 different quarterbacks since Tom Brady took over. And listen to some of these names. I'm going to run through them and you tell me how much of these guys (laughs) you even remember. I am ready to say a lot of yikes. Yeah, Alex Van Pelt, Rob Johnson, Drew Bledsoe, J.P. Lotsman, Kelly Holcomb, Trent Edwards, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brian Brom, E.J. Manuel, Thad Lewis, Jeff Toole, don't even remember that guy at all, Kyle Orton, Matt Castle, Tyrod Taylor, my personal favorite, Nathan Peterman, Interception Derek Ant... Yeah, twenty-five uh, picks Derek one game. Anderson, <laughs> and now Josh Allen. Wow. The Miami Dolphins have had eighteen different starting quarterbacks. <laughs> oh yes, trust me, oh, I wow. know that one. <laughs> uh, these Wait. are some. Manny probably has half of these jerseys hanging up. So, uh, Jay oh, Fiedler, oh. Ray Lucas, Brian Greasy, AJ Feely, Sage Rosenfels, Gus Farrat, John Dante Culpepper. Say John Beck. <laughs> Uh, Joey Harrington, Cleo Lemon, Trent Green, John Beck, hey! Chad Pennington, BYU. Chad, Chad Henney, Tyler Thigpen, Matt Moore, Ryan Tannehill, Jay Cutler, Brock Osweiler. Oh, gosh. Okay. So, I am in tears after that reading list. Right yeah. So surprisingly, the Jets have had the fewest turnover, but it's not by much. They've had 14 different quarterbacks. Vinny Testaverde, Chad Pennington, Quincy Carter, Brooks Bollinger, Kellen Clemens, Brett Favre, Mark Sanchez, Greg McElroy, uh, Gito Smith, Michael Vick, Ryan Fitzpatrick showing up again, Bryce Petty, Josh McCown, and now Sam Darnold. So 
point being after all that is just the instability of quarterback for all these other teams. You can't discount that. I think that's a big reason why the Patriots have had such dominance is because all these other teams have swung and missed so many times with the quarterback position. And it, it, we've seen in this league that it's a quarterback driven league. If you don't have a decent starting quarterback, mm -hmm. you just can't do anything. There's occasional outliers where some teams win in spite of their quarterback, like, uh, the Ravens when they won the Super Bowl with uh, um, Mr. Trent Dilfer. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Joe Flacco winning with the Ravens, like there's some outliers out there, but by and mm. large, you have to have a somewhat decent starting quarterback to be consistent. Brad Johnson so, with the Bucks for sure. Uh, yeah. So all that being said, we'll go ahead and we'll start diving into some of the teams as far as, how 2019 looked at what 2020 might look like and get into some predictions as well. So we'll start off with the new look Miami dolphins and Aaron, you're going to cover them for us. I'm sure that kind of hurt Manny deep down inside, but I'm sure he's probably going to have some really juicy questions for you. So go ahead, Aaron, what you got? Oh, I, I don't know if they're too juicy. I mean, it's the worst team in the NFL, but <laughs> all right, let's jump in on it. Their new savior, Tua, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, but he's landed in Miami. Congratulations. He met with the team doctors, and it looks like things went kind of smooth. So assuming Tua comes in, and uh, do you think he's going to be the starting quarterback of the 2020 season, or do you think he's going to play protege to Fitzmagic? Manny, go ahead. Um, well, when it, I think the main question about Tua is where is the team at a, you know, where will the team be? Um, you know, for example, um, I always look at the season like every three to four weeks. So let's say, for example, the team is in no longer in playoff contention and you kind of have, you know, your like you still have your starting five, you know, offensive line. You know, I would probably say put in Tua. Um, you know, there's only so much a quarterback can learn on a practice field. It's about getting those in-game snaps. It's about being in, in, the, in those in-game particular situations, you know, third and goal, fourth and goal, fourth down, you know, third and 15, third and 10. Um, I think you only learn as a quarterback, listen, there's just so much stuff that you can look on film and, and actually be coached about. Um, but I truly feel that, that if the Miami Dolphins are no longer playoff contention, um, you know, I, I would say probably after week eight or nine, because listen, the whole expectation for this season is for this team once again to grow as a unit, offense and defensively, but it's also for Coach Flores to uh, to also put another stamp, um, you know, because people look look like you know they all say last season was you know like listen, people outside of Miami they probably don't see a lot of positives, but trust me, um, in this fan base down here in Miami, it was, there was a lot of positives. The way they the team battled, the way they fought. Um, like I said, not many W's on the field, but they certainly had a lot of battles on the field that, you know, the games went down to the wire. And you saw the whole revenue of the team was, re you know, revamped, you know, going after getting a couple Patriots that Coach Flores coached when he was the, when he was the coach up there on the defensive side. And also now you have Tua. So, you know, there's only just so much, like I said, you can probably coach, a you know, a young quarterback into the season, you know, showing him film and whatnot. So I truly believe, you know, just like I said, if it, if it becomes a time in the season where the Dolphins are not playoff contention, I truly see Tua taking snaps. Um, and then obviously once he gets into that position, 
I truly fear that's when uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick or you can name all those Dolphin quarterbacks, just like Nick said, John Beck and Thigpen and whatever. Whoever is behind Tua will not ever see the field again. Once Tua hits that field for his first ever snap, it is his job to lose post-injury. My, that's a lot of confidence. Yeah. Well, I'll I'm the only add. one that likes Tua from three of us. So <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> I have true. to make it confidence in a sense. <laughs> that's true. I'm not really a big Tua guy. Um, I I will say this because I think people forget Josh Rosen is a member of the Dolphins. He's a on that roster. He was on that roster last year. Uh, I'm a Josh Rosen guy, and I feel like he never got a fair shot in Arizona. He clearly never got a fair shot here in Miami, um, and he's not going to get one. Um, I hope that he somewhere along the line gets a shot to be a starter somewhere. Uh, I would like to see him get a legit chance. Um, that being said, I feel like the plan with Tua is probably going to be exactly what Manny said. I think they're probably going to take their lumps early in the season, and if they find themselves out of it in the last half of the season, they'll probably put Tua in just to see what they have. Um, and if they don't, I'm okay with that too, because I have nothing against letting a guy just sit and learn, especially a guy who's got a little bit of an injury history, maybe just letting his body kind of recover a a little bit longer. But I think that's the play. I I think you have to let Fitzpatrick start the season, um, and go from there unless Mm -hmm. they get into training camp and Fitzpatrick is just finally showing his age and he's terrible. Then maybe they let Rosen start. Um, but I, I, you know, I would be shocked if they just came out of camp and they're like, yep, Tua's our guy. We're going to start with Tua. Um, I feel like that would be a bold move, considering what I said earlier, that the division is perceived to be up for grabs this season. And if the Dolphins and Brian Flores really feel like they have a legit chance to sneak up on some people and be like a sleeper team, they're going to want to come out week one, put up a W and just kind of keep going from there. And I don't know if Tua's ready to do that, but who knows? They They know... Uh, better than than I do. So um, who knows? We'll see. Yeah, I think training camp's definitely going to play a big part in that. Currently, looking at the projected depth chart, they have Tua at the number two spot uh, with Fitzpatrick at number one and Rosen at three. So we'll see if that switches up a little bit or if it stays solid. Um, All right, cool. Yeah, we can move on to another question here. Uh, So we all know the Dolphins' defense was pretty awesome last year. They uh, ranked 32 of 32, so that means they were dead last. Oh, is that Uh, what that means? Yeah. So they were were near the bottom of uh, every negative defensive category. Uh, For instance, they allowed most touchdowns uh, by their opposition, 39. They were also last place with quarterback pressure at 95. So that includes hurries, touch or knockdowns, sacks. Um, so on the defensive end, what position or positions, and don't say all of them, do you think the Dolphins need the most help at? And also for during the off season, do you think there's any good uh, acquisitions to help fill some of those voids? I mean, let me just start off this question here. Um, when you look at the Dolphins' defense, you can kind of see what they went for in free agency with Kyle Vannoy, uh, Shaq Lawson. You already have um, the number one pick that they selected last year out of Clemson as well already up there. So I think the, the 
know, if there's any position that they probably need help in, it's definitely in linebackers. Um, you know, the cornerbacks are set with Byron Jones on one side and you're going to have Xavier Howard on the other. So that tandem right there looks, just, you know, like right now, if you put them on paper, it's one of the best one-two cornerback tandems in the league. Um, I say linebackers, man. Listen, I, I haven't seen a Dolphins linebacker run sideline to sideline and just with ferocious power and energy since Zach Thomas, man. I'm, I'm being honest with you. I grew up watching Zach. Um, he was undersized throughout his whole career. The man deserves to be in the pro football, in pro football hall of fame. Let me just say that right now. I thought yeah, he was that's so weird. Yeah. I thought, listen, game. nothing against Brian Erlacher, and I give him tons of credit. But Zach Thomas didn't have a Peanut Tillman. He didn't have a Briggs. He didn't have a lot of guys that you know that Brian Erlacher had the luxury of having. So, um, you know, to me, it has to be linebacking core. Um, they you know they got a three or four young guys in there, but nothing like no names really pop as as of yet because they're either rookies or they're all on a one year deal. So. You know, like what Vince Beagle gets you excited. That doesn't get me excited at all. Um, you know, like three other guys were cut in, you know, in April in Jake on Carlock and Lennon Stevens. So you look at that position and you can't really, you know, there's just not anything there that, you know, that really wows you. Um, you know, yeah, Kyle Van Oy is an outside guy, but we all know he's going to, you know, rush the quarterback. They also signed a free agent linebacker from Philadelphia and Camus um, Hill. Um, he, he was part of their team that won the Super Bowl a couple years back. Um, as an Eagles fan, hey, listen, he, the guy was very productive on special teams, but he never got to see the field in a Jim Schwartz defense. And we all know that a Jim Schwartz defense, you know, you want energy, you want smartness, and you want a guy that's going to be, you know, consistent. And he was not. So, you know, that there's tons of questions when it comes to the linebacking core, but, um, you know, to answer your other question, you know, what guys could be out there. I mean, listen, I, I, listen, I'm not a salary salary cap expert, but the Miami Dolphins went all out this season on signing tons of players with major contracts and deals. So I don't know how much money they're going to have left um, in the cap heading towards next, um, next off season. But if there was ever a season where the defensive line and the cornerbacks can help any position on this team, it's definitely a linebacker. And I will go not the opposite way because we're still talking defense, but I feel like if they could actually get some pressure up front, uh, I think that will change a lot because I think we've seen over the past several seasons, if you can pressure the quarterback, the rest of your defense at all the other levels will benefit. And if you screw up the quarterback and screw up the rhythm and the timing and the play, um, it makes it much easier for everybody else. And Aaron, if I heard you correctly, you said the Dolphins were last in quarterback pressures. Yep. Yeah. So uh, signing Shaq Lawson, it could probably help. Um, and I think if they can get any sort of production from the front four, front three, and just do a little bit better and not be last, maybe 20th or something like that. That would be huge because, I, in my opinion, the Dolphins have two of the best cover corners now with uh, the signing of um, – I always get his name wrong. I always call him, want to call him uh, Brian, but Byron Jones. Byron they Jones. signed him from the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. And uh, Xavier Howard is, I think, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. I think some of the best cornerbacks in the entire NFL are in the AFC East. Uh, Stephon Gilmore, Xavier Howard, and Tredavious White – are phenomenal cornerbacks and they're all in the same division. And I could make the argument that they're like one, two, three in the NFL. Um, so I think if the dolphins could get some pressure 
up front. The rest of the defense can kind of pick up the slack. And if they're forced to pass against these cornerbacks, that could be an issue. So if the Dolphins want to take a step forward, I think they really need to get some pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, Nick, and, and just one more thing to add here when I talk about the linebackers. Um, listen, their roster right now is set up with Sam McGuavin, Raekwon McMillan, and Jerome Baker. Now, Jerome Baker and Raekwon McMillan both came out of Ohio State. They were highly touted draft picks. Those guys have never had the issue of being able to tackle. Their their issue has been they're very undersized. All right. So, you know, um, um, Aaron, you already read off those the like stats. Like the teams just ran down their throat. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like once you got past the defensive line, there wasn't really nobody there that can probably stop them five, 10 yards down the field. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, when you see these guys and, and you and you see their size. You know, you just hope that they put tons of muscle on because, you know, these guys are quite fast running the 40, but when you need them to shed tacklers and to be able to run sideline to sideline and, you know, obviously, listen, you want your middle linebackers to just not tackle, but you want them to make plays. You want them to make forced fumbles. You want them to make interceptions. So that's a lot of other things that I didn't see that this Dolphins team had from that position last season. Yeah, and that could be a problem in this division because the Bills run a lot. That's a big mm-hmm. part of their offense is rushing. Mm-hmm. The Patriots, a rushing attack for them has been a lot more important the past couple of seasons. And without Tom Brady, it's probably going to be even more important. And the Jets obviously have Le'Veon Bell, so you would like to think that they'll get him involved and run the ball. So in this division especially, you're going to have to be able to stop the run. Yeah, Absolutely. And to just uh, touch, Nick, you were mentioning uh, cornerback Xavier Howard. So some good news for the Dolphins today was the NFL is not going to discipline him for his uh, December domestic battery arrest. So he'll be playing the whole year so far. Congrats to him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I just got one more question, then we can move on from the Dolphins since... Not super interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, so in my opinion, the Dolphins, I think, made a, a positive move in the running back uh, section there. I mean, they they got rid of Kenyon Drake last year. Uh, this offseason, they grabbed Jordan Howard from Philadelphia, who's surprising. I, I, I was surprised by this. He's only entering his fifth season in the league. For some reason, I thought he had been in a lot longer. But apparently, it's only his fifth season. So, I mean, his first couple of years with the Bears, he was outstanding. Philadelphia, it was kind of a back and forth between starter, backup. But um, I still think this guy has a lot of gas in the tank. So, see how the offensive line holds up. But uh, I think that's a good grab. And then they also went and got Matt Breida from the 49ers, who has a lot of potential if he can stay healthy. Uh, so, I, I think it's another upside from the run, their run game. Um, and then they went ahead and kept uh, Kalen Balage, who I remember last year during the fantasy football league drafts, people were grabbing him towards the end and they're like, oh, he's going to be a sleeper. He's going to be a sleeper. And he didn't do anything, but <laughs> they kept him. So we'll see. Maybe he can maybe he can step up. So, I mean, out of these three running backs, do you guys see any of them having success or do you see any of them standing out above the rest of the candidates there? It just feels like the Dolphins are just trying to get a bunch of guys that could probably, you know, like one guy can run and, you know, through the outside zone. And here comes, you know, Mr. Jordan Howard from the Eagles. And they're just going to barrel him down, you know, 
between the gaps. It, it, like, I don't see anything, like, not one or, like, those guys really don't scare me. I mean, Jordan Howard was quite productive with the Eagles before he got injured. Um, but obviously, like, the Eagles have good tight ends and, and whatnot, so that opens up everything. I don't think Mike Kiseki for the Dolphins has yet reached that limit yet, even though he was a top pick out of Penn State. Um, Matt Burrito, listen, Matt Burrito was a wonderful back to have in fantasy football. And then all of a sudden he gets hurt and here comes Mozart and everybody else and company behind him. And there went his career as part of a San Francisco 49er. Um, so, you know, to answer your question, no, I just don't see any of these backs having a season where it's like, oh my goodness, Pro Bowl year and 2000 yards or anything of that. So, you know, that's the way I see it. I was shocked that the 49ers just let Matt Breida go. I felt like he was great, great, great. Yes. I really thought he was going to be a part of that trio um, in Shanahan's offense and they were going to keep him. And, um, you know, he only, he only started five games last season Mm -hmm. and he ended up playing in 13. Uh, He only had 623 rushing yards, but he did have 5.1 yards per rush, which is really good. And he caught the ball out of the backfield yeah yeah he had uh 19 catches 120 yards um 6.3 yards per catch so um definitely could be um you know a dual threat he can run he can catch uh so i feel like if i was gonna put money on anyone i'd probably put it on matt Breida. um so we'll see i think it also depends aaron on how big of a season Devontae parker has um, cause you saw how he blew up last season after Adam Gase left town. Um, I mean, he, here's a guy who revamped his stuff, you know, like he went from stock X to the wall street journal. Like, you know what I mean? Like this yeah. man literally, you know, he finally proved why he was selected in the first round. Um, and, but that's also un- like another thing, like, you know, his chemistry with Ryan Fitzpatrick was just amazing. You know, Ryan, you know, he trusted him. Like, listen, Ryan had not a lot of time to throw the ball. He just threw it up there, and he just hoped that, you know, Parker would, would go up there and catch it. Um, you know, do you want to ruin that? If you put in a Tua, you know, is the offensive line going to be, you know, you know, be able to, you know, gr- you know, hold a consistent running game through a, you know, a whole NFL season? Those are tons of questions that have yet to be asked, and the only way we can answer them is that, you know, obviously during the season. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. That's all I had for the Dolphins. Uh, well, then uh, it sounds like we're done talking Dolphins. So what we'll do is we'll go ahead and move on to the New York Jets, which Manny, that's your baby. All right, boys. New York football Jets. A little bit of a preview from last season. The team finished 7-9. and nine. Not, a, not your average uh, Adam Gaze welcome home type of year. Um to, to kick it off, though, I, I found this to be interesting. Do you know that the Jets replaced their longtime trainer after an injury-plagued season? total of 21 players ended up on IR. Like, that's just crazy, right? 21 players? That's yeah, insane. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's I don't care who you are in the NFL. You lose 21 players due to IR. Jeez Louise, good luck having backups, man, man. <laughs> Yeah, I think I remember hearing about that story when it broke because at some point everyone 
took a step back and they were like, why the hell are all of our players hurt? So yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So the Jets haven't won the Super Bowl since Super Bowl three, Joe Namath. Um, the last time they won the AFC East, 2002. My goodness. That's when I started high school. So, I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's crazy there. So this off season though, um, they've lost Robbie Anderson and they went ahead and signed uh Brashad Perriman. Uh, wide receiver from the Bucks, who caught half of Winston's touchdowns, not interceptions, <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah, those um, were all the linebackers. Uh, linebackers. Yes. And then obviously, though, something that really caught my eye, guys, um, the Jets have s- have signed a total of five um, offensive linemen, ranging from center to tackle, and they all and they signed them to quite hefty deals, three year deals mostly. Um, and then in the NFL draft with their first selection third overall, they went for Quentin Williams, a uh, defensive tackle from Alabama. So I, I want to ask you guys this question after uh, you know, hearing what I just said to you guys and seeing the overall um, offseason for the Jets. Obviously, listen, we know that this, that the Jets fan base is hungry. Um, you know, they tasted championship conference glory twice. Unfortunately, they didn't win nine of those games. Um, lost against the Colts to Payne Manning, and they also lost to Ben Roethlisberger against the Steelers in back-to-back seasons. Seeing what they did this offseason and with their first-run pick, like, would you probably, you know, say that they have a legitimate shot and at least contending for the AFC East title? Who did you say their first-round pick was? Uh, Quinnen Williams, um, Alabama defensive tackle. That was for the 2019 draft, right? Yeah, let me. I think that was this season. Wasn't it? Because the one I have is 2020 Mackay Becton, the tackle from Louisville. Yeah, that's what I, that's yeah, what I see too. All right, then I kind of, oh, damn internet. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know what? Let's put two and two together because that's when, you know, Adam Gates had to inherit that, but that was also the year that their quarterback, Sam Darnold, also started. So when you look at that, you know, overall from this offseason with both first round picks, let's just add those guys into the mix. Do you think that, you know, and I haven't gotten to Le'Veon Bell yet, so that's going to be another question. But when you see Yeah, no, I... Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think this goes to your point because you had mentioned that they're devoting a lot of money and a lot of contracts to offensive linemen, and they did the same thing with their draft, their first-round pick. They went with an offensive lineman. So clearly, they think offensive line was a huge problem. Uh, To answer your point, your question do i think they could legitimately contend um putting it as nicely as i can absolutely not um i'm not an adam gase guy i don't believe in him as a head coach i think as an offensive coordinator he could probably be fine or or really good i think as a head coach it's just not for him uh i don't see it um i haven't seen anything to lead me to believe that sam darnold is really a great quarterback um i don't think he's bad i just don't think he's great um so based on the roster and just the makeup and everything, I would say they really don't have a legitimate chance to be a contender this season. Yeah, I gotta I gotta jump on there too with you, Nick. Uh, I don't think they are either. Uh, one thing I was surprised real quick is that they signed uh, Joe Flacco. Do you guys know that he's going to be playing back at the same? I didn't Donald. know that. Yeah, a little interesting. Wow, I didn't know that. Yes, so Manny, as you said, they got uh, Perryman from Tampa Bay, who's always mm-hmm. played that backup role to Evans. They got Jamison Crowder, who I don't think's a, a solid starting 
wide receiver in himself. They got a rookie in Denzel Mims, who I don't know much about him, but looking at some of his highlights, it looked like he had some good route runs, running ability, and some speed to him. Um, but their wide receivers, I'm not strong on. And then, yeah, as Nick mentioned, Sam Darnold, I haven't seen anything that's wowed me from him yet. And so I feel like I'd really need to to see some consistency to to fill. I mean, last year he was out for a good chunk of the season too with mono. And I know when he came back, they had a little more of a successful uh, season. But um, Le'Veon Bell's the the only guy on their team that I I think is relatively good. And I and they got Frank Gore from Buffalo, looking like he's going to be their backup. Yeah, I still I, I still don't see this team. I see them being ahead of the Dolphins, but that I don't oh, think is saying much. Yeah. Wow. wow. I think that's that, saying a lot. That's um, a big statement there from Aaron. Yeah, I think it is. Uh I shout out Frank Gore for being like forty five years old and still running. That's awesome. Yeah. I can't believe that guy's Coral still Gable going. Nutrition, man. I'm telling you. That man must be. Dope. Um I uh Oh, what was I going to say? I, I was going to hit on something that you said, Aaron, and I just lost it. I had a brain fart. Um, I was also going to hit on um, Denzel Mims only because I remember during this past draft where the Rams were selecting, I really, really wanted the Rams to take Denzel Mims because um, <laughs> everything I saw from him uh, at the combine and some highlight videos, I was like, dude, this guy is a legit wide receiver take this guy um so i'm gonna be interested to see how he does this season yeah his highlights looked he looked awesome but i mean those are just the highlights so they grabbed the the best of the best but he looked good yeah yeah yeah, guys so um a couple of overall stats that i want to throw out there of sam darnold so he's played in 26 career games he's completed 512 passes from 855 that's a 59% completion percentage uh, that's kind of your average go-ro quarterbacks, not obviously your all-time pros or whatnot. So that's eh, eh. obviously going into his third season, you'd want that to improve. But here's what really shocks me: the touchdown to interception, the touchdown to interception ratio. He's t- he's thrown for a total of 36 touchdowns to 28 interceptions. Like not that, great. That, no. that right there is not going to win you many games in the National Football League. I understand he's a rookie, but at some point you got to grow up and you're in an Adam Gase throwing friendly offense, you know, and, you know, listen, Le'Veon Bell, you know, now that goes right into my next thing. Le'Veon Bell in the year in last year had 245 rushing attempts for 789 total rushing yards and 66 receptions and um, had a total of four touchdowns. Uh, You can clearly see that Le'Veon Bell was their offense if it wasn't Robbie Anderson. Um, so I'm sorry, but Sam Darnold has to be able to step up this season. Um, you know, if this player Mims can become somebody great, um, but you know, the Jets offense needs to start, start kicking, start getting going. Cause that's the wrong reason. That's probably the only reason why Adam Gates was signed right away was because of his offensive gurus, you know, going back to Denver and going back to Chicago and, you know, and that's why Miami hired him. And we all saw, how that ended up where players just didn't like the guy, you know, and he was, you know, quite, you know, the negative in the locker room. And we kind of heard a little bit of here and there when it came to bell and players in the locker room, when it comes to their coach, 
you know. But as far as Sam Darnold's concerned, he has to be able to step up himself, you know what I'm saying? Because having a, a, you know, having 36 career total, total touchdowns to 28 interceptions, that's not gonna look that, that's not gonna look very good when your option is you know is up in the air. I mean, just ask Mitchell Trubisky. His option wasn't picked, and they and then the Bears went out and traded for a Super Bowl MVP. Like how I said. That oh my gosh. <laughs> like how I said that. But you know, yeah. it's just those things. And a quick thing here too, guys. So the Jet Press, um, a fan site, has tons of reporting on this. So according to most experts inside the Jets. Um, f- facility. They don't expect Le'Veon Bell to come back after this season. You know. Yeah. So that was my brain fart that I had. That I was like, oh, what was I going to say? What was I going to say? Okay. Uh, I was going to make the point about Le'Veon Bell that if going back to what you just said, Manny, about you know him not probably coming back. Um, there was talk last season about him being traded at the deadline. It didn't happen. Then there was talk during the draft a couple of months ago that he was going to be traded on draft night. So clearly the team or him, there's a disconnect there and they aren't on the same page and he's probably going to be gone either at the deadline this season or he's not coming back after this season, which is crazy because clearly, like you said, he is the offense. They don't have anything else. He is the guy and the team is still willing to just be like, all right, well, we'll just trade you. And that's crazy to me. Um, So I think the other point that I was just going to make here is how funny is it that when big Ben Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown were all on the same team, it seemed like everything was totally fine and everyone gelled and it was a really good offense. And then Antonio Brown leaves and Le'Veon Bell leaves and these guys personalities and everything has like ruined teams and like pulled apart locker rooms. So apparently, Big um, Mike, <laughs> apparently Mike Tomlin yeah. is a hell of a head coach that knows how to manage personalities because Correct. in Pittsburgh, everything for the most part was fine. But as soon as these guys left, they got new head coaches and Antonio Brown, not even in the league anymore. And Le'Veon Bell is like, get me the hell out of here. So I just thought that was kind of crazy. Yeah, I, that is a very good point. <laughs> uh, and I think you'll see, it. Manny, you had mentioned Le'Veon Bell's production from last season was relatively lower than his production with the Steelers. And I think a lot of that has to do with him being the only offensive threat on the Jets. I mean, when he was playing with the Steelers, he had Nick mentioned Antonio Brown. He had Juju Smith-Schuster. He had, was he there when Mike Wallace was there? I can't remember, but... Yeah. I mean, he's always had uh, some of the best wide receivers in the league. And uh, one of the, I would say Roethlisberger is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And uh, I think that really helped his offensive productivity. Uh, And then he goes to the Jets and the defenses are just scheming to Le'Veon Bell and stopping him. Uh, A big part of his game last season was in the receiving game. He had, what, 66 receptions for uh, 461 yards, which is, I mean, not too far off from his rushing uh, yards. But, uh, yeah, I I mean, a guy like Le'Veon Bell is not going to have much success on a team like the Jets unless they start getting some firepower around him on that offensive side. Yeah, no, but it's, guys, it's just like I mentioned, like the Jets have gone out there and signed – you know, multiple, triple guys on the offensive line because um, if, if you also look at the yards per carry for Bell last season, three yards mm-hmm. per carry, I'm sorry. Yeah. If you can't average at least five yards a rush, 
and you had over 245 rushes, rushing attempts, and you can only average three yards, I'm sorry, like, that's not going to be a lot of third down conversions going down the field. No, absolutely. Um, all right, guys, so I guess we're done with the Jets here, unless Fireman Ed wants to be a <laughs> – he wants to jump on the on the, uh, on the the field and help this team. I, I don't, uh, no. I don't see I don't see much for the Jets this season. Like once again, I think um, Adam Gase is definitely on the hot seat. I know him and the media do not get along. Um, I was in that news conference room or press room or whatnot when you know they lost to the Dolphins, giving the giving the Dolphins their first win last season, and a very highly touted reporter in Manish Mehta, who writes for the Jets. Um, asked them, hey, you know, like, it, is is it losses like this that made the Dolphins fire you, basically? So I was sitting there when he when he created that whole awkward stare and that look and the whole cursing phrase that he said. So it just feels like Adam Gase just doesn't know how to be a head coach. Um, you no, know, I, you know, I like certain I said, guys I... can be offensive guys. Listen, we've seen guys that have been amazing offensive coordinators, and when they transfer. To being a head coach, they just don't know how to main, how to be organized and maintain and ma- maintain the whole team structure. It just you see how it crumbles right away. You know what I mean? And you know, God bless Cam Cameron and Charlie Weiss and everybody else that became a head coaches after their their offensive minds just you know gave them that you know that potential opportunity. But most offensive guys just don't pan out. And the only guy I can see right now is the guy that just got you know. Um, an extension in San Francisco and rightfully deserved in Kyle Shanahan. But once again, he fumbled in the Super Bowl. Another offensive head coach, you know, crumbles in games that matters. And it's not the first rodeo that he's had this. You know, he was on that team with the Falcons and where he magically decided to throw the ball instead of running it towards the end. And here when they had a, you know, they had a double-digit lead against, you know, the Chiefs in the fourth quarter, they magically decided to throw the ball instead of running it. So, these guys can be quite the characters. And once you get to see, you know, as they become head coaches that they just tend to not go and coach the same way, you know, like, like I'm sure they would have ran the ball. If they were, you know, offensive coordinators, now they're head coach. Well, I'm going to outsmart everyone. It doesn't work that way in the NFL. I would be uh, surprised if next season, Adam Gase is still the head coach. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised Agreed. at all if he got fired at some point during the season, because like I said, I'm not an Adam Gase guy. I don't think he's a head coach. Um, I don't think he's a head coach caliber talent. Um, I think a big part of being a head coach that some owners fail to realize when they hire these guys is great. You know, football, um, every coach knows football, uh, but can you lead men on the field Mm -hmm. can you handle personalities um can you get respect from your players and i don't think adam gase can do that i i I think we've seen from his tenure in the dolphins and what we've seen already with the jets he just has a really prickly kind of sour personality and when that is your head coach all that just rolls downhill so i don't think it's gonna fly with him in new york and i would be shocked if I mean, I could be wrong, but I'd be shocked if he got another head coaching job after this because Miami failed, New York has failed. I don't know another ownership group that's going to take a look at him and go, you know what, Adam Gase, he's the missing link. He's our guy. So who, know, who knows where that goes? Um, 
But yeah, yeah I, I'm not an Adam Gase guy at all. And, and, uh, no and, way. And, and, yeah. And guys, I, so one more shocking. quick thing before we move on from this. If you're the if you're the New York Jets owner in Woody Johnson and you see the track record of Adam Gase and you just signed one of the best pro backs in the century in Le'Veon Bell, which that to me, that's what I thought he is. And to me, he still is. Okay. What's going to sell more tickets? What and Because the, the, there's no other big name on that Jets roster. Because you traded away their their highly touted um, tackle on the defensive side to across the street to the Giants. Um, I can't seem to remember his name. Um, uh, Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams. Or one. Yeah. Yep. You know, and not to mention that their star safety wants out of New York. Like you yeah, can't Jamal trade Adams. Jamal Adams. Yeah, like you, you, just, you have to be ludicrous to do something like that. Unless what is the one thing that has followed Adam Gase in every single head coaching spot? Top players just don't want to play for the team. They just don't want to play for the head coach. And at some point, yeah. Woody Johnson has to realize, listen, I'm trying to win a Super Bowl for this city that, no offense, my count, my count rivals in the same city have won a couple in this you know, millennium, and I need to somehow do something. Because if not, listen, the Jets fan base can get on you, and so can the media. Yeah, it's um... – I, I think the only comparison I guess I could make between Adam Gase and Bill Belichick, they they have, I think, a similar style where their personalities are kind of prickly and they can be perceived as like jerks. Um, but the difference is Belichick wins. Adam Gase doesn't. So if you have a head coach that you don't like, but he at least wins, you kind of have to respect him and go, hey, you know what? He must know what he's talking about because we keep winning. When you look at a guy like Adam Gase and you're in that locker room and all he does is lose and he's sitting there telling you, this is the way we do it because I said so. And you're like, dude, all we do is lose. Clearly, you don't know what <laughs> yeah. you're talking about. Right. So it's it's hard to have a bad personality and lose. If You know, you can get by if you're Belichick and all you do is win and you've got six Super Bowl rings. Be like, hey, if you don't like it, you can leave because we're still going to win after you leave. But, you know, Gase can't say that. Anything, Aaron? Nope. I was just enjoying Nick's <laughs> rant. <laughs> uh, Adam Gase fires me up. Um, so I guess it works. I guess if I was on his team, he'd fire me up, I guess. But other than that, he can't fire up any of his players. Um, All right, guys. So, so we'll go. To, just to uh, I'll finish up on the Jets. Uh, the Jets do play the Rams on December 20th. Uh, right That's before, a W. Right before Christmas. So yeah. it'll be a nice, beautiful dub for the LA Rams heading into um, the next game, which is two days after Christmas against the Seattle Seahawks. So Christmas like made uh, a nice gift wrap uh, W from the jets to Buffalo where nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. This Nick has the, that preview. Nick. It, it yeah. So as soon as we started talking about this episode and it being our AFC East uh, preview, I immediately was like, I want to take the Bills. Um, <laughs> Bills are a, a fascinating team to me, and I have a lot of friends, and one of my best, most dearest friends that I've known for several, year, several years now um, is a hardcore Buffalo Bills fan, lives in Buffalo, is a season ticket holder. So I get a lot of exposure to this team, and like I said a couple of weeks ago in one of our episodes, I'm planning on going to the Rams-Bills game this season. Assuming there's going to be fans in attendance, I will be there. I've already purchased my plane ticket. So regardless, I will be in Buffalo when the Rams play the Bills. Um, so this is a fascinating team to me. Um, 
the 2019 Buffalo Bills season was the team's 60th overall and the 50th in the NFL, and it was their fifth under the ownership group of Terry and Kim Bagula. And if you don't think ownership matters, I'd challenge you on that and look at ownership like the Cleveland Browns where all they do is lose because the owners don't care about winning. Um, and it was their third under head coach general manager tandem of Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. Um, I think those hirings have proven to be really important for the turnaround to the Buffalo Bills. Um, if you look at their past couple seasons with them at the helm, there's been a noticeable change and they've been getting better and better and better. So I, I really like that tandem for the team. I think that's worked out really well. So last season, the team finished 10 and six, which was good for second in the division. Uh, they did make it to the playoffs. Unfortunately, they lost in the wild card round to the Houston Texans and they lost 19 to 22. And if you didn't watch this game or if you forgot this game, Go back and watch it. Don't watch the highlights. Watch the game from start to finish because it is incredible. I mean, it is like I can't even put into words. It is incredible watching that game because at one point it was all Buffalo. And then somehow at the end of the game, the Texans won. And it was a back and forth, back and forth. And it was just like, what is happening on the field? Like, it was insane. That game was absolutely nuts. So if you haven't seen that game or you forgot, you definitely should go go back and watch that one. Um, a couple notes just on that game, too. Um, I found something on there that I thought was um, pretty crazy. So with two minutes and nine seconds left in the third quarter, the Bills had a 16 to nothing lead and the 96.7% win probability. Barely 15 minutes of that game later, Houston had turned that into a 19-16 advantage and a 94.1% win probability with 95 seconds left in the game. So that that by itself should tell you this game was nuts. At one point, the Bills had a 16-0 lead and a 96% chance to win, and somehow they lost. Now, is that great if you're a Bills fan? absolutely not that's terrible and you probably don't want to talk about it but the game itself was just incredible it was something to behold um that would have been the bills first playoff win since 1995 um that's hard it's hard to say without laughing um i feel bad because that's obviously a really really long time um they've been struggling for a long time um but like i said this new ownership group and the new head coach GM group ever since they've come on board, there's been a pretty good turnaround and they've gotten better and better. So if you're a bills fan, you have to like the trajectory of your team, where you're going and the way it's set up. Um, especially now with, you know, Brady being out of the division, you have to feel like a huge weight is off your shoulders. Um, and based on what I've seen from every journalist and pundit around in the NFL, the Bills are by far the favorite to win this division. Everyone thinks that this is the Buffalo Bills season to, you know, overcome everything and, and take this division. So we'll see. Maybe the pressure of ex being expected to win will be too much. Maybe they'll, you know, fumble. Who knows? Um, I wanted to point out that, and again, this is something Bills fans aren't going to want to hear or like to hear. This is my opinion. 
But the Bills did have 10 wins, but I think their wins were against some really soft teams, and I think that's kind of why they made it to the playoffs. Granted, it was only the wild card round, and they lost. I think they're just not there yet. I think they actually, this is one of those cases where, you know, you, you learn by losing and you get experience by losing. I think they'll come back hungrier and stronger this coming season for it. Um, but there, some of their wins last season, I, I think were against just some really soft teams and it wasn't really, um, you know, good enough to get them the experience that they needed. They beat teams like the Jets, the Giants, the Bengals. They beat the Dolphins twice. They beat the Redskins, the Broncos, and they beat the Steelers. But the Steelers team they beat was the team that didn't have Juju Smith-Schuster, had Mason Rudolph or um, Duck Hodges at quarterback. I don't even remember, but it wasn't Big Ben. So some of the wins that they got last year were against some pretty soft teams. I will caveat that by saying they did also have some pretty good wins against the Titans, who we saw made a deep run into the playoffs. And they also beat the Cowboys for the Thanksgiving Day game, which was an awesome game. And that was incredible, the fact that the Bills beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. So they did have some pretty good wins, but I think a lot of their wins came against some pretty soft opponents. Um, And they also had some losses against some... um, you know, when they played the teams that are what I would say are top tier teams, they didn't beat those teams. Uh, so they had losses against the Patriots, the Eagles and the Ravens, all teams that I would consider to be kind of top tier upper echelon teams. Um, so they couldn't really play to the top of the of the of the league. Uh, they also had a loss in there against the Jets, which is just inexcusable <laughs> uh, i don't know how you can lose to the jets that's just terrible um, I, um nick i think that loss though happened in week one if i remember correctly. yeah yeah and that's a terrible way to start a season yeah, i mean sure. <laughs> without question that, that's i i know if i were a player in the locker room i'd be like oh my god this is week one and we just lost to the jets this is gonna be a long season <laughs> but yeah. thankfully they they turned it around um so going into 2020 they've actually made some pretty big additions uh, the biggest of which is Stefan Diggs. So he's coming over from the Minnesota Vikings. Um, no longer going to be catching passes from t- primetime Kirk Cousins. Uh, they also added uh, defensive end Mario Addison, cornerback Josh Norman for whatever he's got left in the tank, and uh, linebacker A.J. Klein. They did have some subtractions. Uh, we already mentioned Shaq Lawson is now a Dolphin, so he's gone. Defensive tackle Jordan Phillips is gone. And longtime Bill uh, linebacker Lorenzo Alexander is also gone. So the first question that I, I I would like to ask, and I think it's the most fascinating question for the Bills this upcoming season, is what kind of production do we think we could get out of Stephon Diggs with Josh Allen as his quarterback? Because Kirk Cousins and Josh Allen are probably the most opposite of quarterbacks that you could probably get. So I'll go ahead and just ask you first, Manny, do you, what do you think is like a reasonable stat line or what do you think is reasonable from a production standpoint for Stefan Diggs? Do you think that, you know, he could be a pro bowler? Do you think it's going to take some time to gel? What do you think Stefan Diggs brings to the bills? Yeah. Well, I, I, I think that the bills finally realized that, listen, you know, when it comes to Josh Allen, He's a great runner. We've we've seen it. I mean, the man when he has time in the pocket and when he doesn't want to force throws, 
you know, he sometimes holds the ball too long, but he has those, you know, those great athletic abilities to run for a first down. But I think when you have and you acquire a guy like Stephon Diggs and you add him to that offense with a, with a, with a Croft, you add him with a John Brown, I truly feel that Stephon Diggs changes their offense immediately. Um, you know, yes, they lost Frank Gore, but their rookie running back is no longer a rookie anymore in Devon Singletary, which I saw plenty of times uh, attending FIU when we lost to him when he was at FAU, and thank God he's not no more here because <laughs> I would hate to see him always running down the sidelines and score touchdowns. Devon Singletary is a heck of a running back, man. Um, if they're able to, I agree. Run, Devin Singletary is really yeah, good. yeah. Devin Singletary is just a heck of a running back. If they're able to have a consistent running game and just have Josh Allen just be a quarterback, not to, you know, yes, it's okay to run for those first downs, but not be an arm's way of getting hurt, getting knocked out out of the game. Um, improve that you know that completion percentage, and which Stephon Diggs man does so many things for you. It creates a screen game. It creates a deep throwing game down the field. It creates seams. It just it opens up your offense to now having the defense in the back end be like, okay, you know, there's no way you can double team a John Brown going you know streaking down the field with a Stephon Diggs. That's not going to be possible. And then Devin Singletary just. He's that all-time back that I saw in college that I feel has to be given the opportunity of being able to run the football, catch it, and block. Like, this guy has the ability of being one in a, an exciting running back in a division where when you look at it, I don't see the Dolphins having a guy like him. I don't see the Patriots, you know, unless James White catches 100 passes because that's literally what he does, you know, when he's on the field. And, of course, with Bell, but to me, Singletary can be that guy that opens it up everything. But to answer your question, I think Stephon Diggs is in such in a unique and amazing situation. Is Josh Allen a Kirk Cousins? No. But here's the flip side. We already know what Kirk Cousins is, okay? He's the guy that's going to just throw it up there. And, you know, if this guy's open, they're going to make the catch. If the guy's triple teamed, we know it's going to be a pick. Think Josh Allen has to realize that now he has two valuable guys and Josh and John Brown and Stephon Diggs that you know guess what you don't have to force it you're gonna have those zone one-on-one coverages you you know like you're not gonna have you know like I just said double teams throughout the whole field okay and they have a good young up-and-coming tight end and Tyler Croft that you know when given the opportunity he made those catches down the field like I'm saying so you know I truly feel that adding a Stephon Diggs is just what Josh Allen needed. Not saying Josh, you know, not saying that John Brown couldn't be that, but come on, we've seen Stephon Diggs just, you know, guy has grit. He has passion. He loves the game. He loves to make sure that the defense knows, hey, listen, I'm going to run a 10-yard seam, and you might have a middle linebacker there, but I'm going to make that catch. And if you don't, and if you don't tackle me, I'm going to take it 85 yards. And that, to me, is the type of player, especially at the wide receiver position, that Josh Allen needed. And that's what the Bills, I'm hoping, they see and they give Josh Allen that opportunity as he matures as a quarterback. But the most important thing is, Nick, you can't win in this league if you're not great at throwing the football from the pocket. So, Aaron, what do you think is reasonable to expect from the addition of Stephon Diggs? Well, Manny left me with so much to talk about. 
I guess I'm going to start with the quarterback position. Josh Allen, I think he's got a, a golden opportunity this year to have a very productive season. Just uh, This is going to be his third season. So his rookie season is 2018. His passing yards were 2,074. In 2019, his second year in the league, 3,089 passing yards. So he already jumped 1,000 passing yards. His completion rate between uh, 2018 and 2019 went from 52.8 to 58.8. So he's already improved there. His touchdown to interception ratio, 2018, he had 10 interceptions to 12, or sorry, 10 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. 2019, he had 20 touchdowns and nine interceptions. I think he's only going to have a better season this year. John Brown was was his best receiver last year. And John Brown still had an awesome year with 72 receptions, 1,060 receiving yards. And him being really the only, I would say, competent wide receiver on the team. Yeah, I mean, that's still pretty good stats. You add Stefan Diggs, now all of a sudden you have, yeah, Manny had mentioned it, you have two speedy wide receivers. It's going to spread the defense, and one of them's going to be open. I can only see Stefan Diggs either last season he had 63 receptions for a little over 1,100 uh, receiving yards. I could see him easily matching that this year. I could see him and John Brown just lighting it up this year. So I have high hopes for, for, uh, for this offense. And um, that being Stefan Diggs, John Brown, and Josh Allen. And definitely having the running backs like Devin Singletary and you got the rookie Zach Moss coming in. Uh, there's a lot of potential to have some stability with the running game and to have that check down uh, with the running backs for reception. So I think it really opens up a lot of opportunity for for the whole offensive uh, scheme aside from just Stefan Diggs, but I think he's going to have a productive year for sure. Yeah. And Josh Allen also has a pretty good rapport with Cole Beasley. Who's um, yeah. that guy. That yep. you, know, can just... you know what though, Nick, it, 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 it's like the Eagle fan in me. Cole Beasley was just torturing us when he was a cowboy. So I kind of forgot that he was no longer there. <laughs> yeah, Cole, Cole Beasley is one of those guys. He doesn't get a whole, yeah, yes. I was going to say, he doesn't get a whole lot of credit, but he's really good. Um, he might not be a number one guy, but if he if you have him on your team, you're glad Cole Beasley's on your team. He can get you some yards. He can get you some tough catches, um, and he's not afraid. He will go over the middle. He'll make those tough sideline catches and take hits. You want Cole Beasley on your team, and Josh Allen has shown a lot of trust in him. Also, I really like uh, Dawson Knox, the other tight end that the Bills drafted last year. Uh, he seems to show a lot of rapport with him as well. So the more rapport and the more confidence he gets with these guys and he can kind of spread the ball around, that's also going to benefit Stefan Diggs because he doesn't have to fight through double teams. Um, I do think Stefan Diggs um, is going to have a really good year. I'm banking on them gelling and um, him having like not a breakout season because we've already seen him be really good, but having that season where we're like, okay, Stephon Diggs is like a potentially top five wide receiver in this league because Josh Allen, I, I don't think this is really up for debate. I think he's got the strongest arm in the NFL. Um, he can throw the ball from basically end zone to end zone. So he can't underthrow Diggs. So the you know we'll see what happens when it comes to the deep routes and those things as far as how good they can connect there. 
Uh, if they can find some consistency there, that could be devastating. There could be a lot of just long bomb home run type, you know, touchdown passes. Um, uh, one m- note I do want to bring up that I think sometimes people miss before I talk about Josh Arms throwing ab- or Josh Allen's throwing ability is uh, his rookie season. Josh Allen broke Michael Vick's record for most rushing yards by a quarterback over the first eight starts of his career. So I don't think people realize how good of a running quarterback Josh Allen is. I think some people think that he's just this tall white kid that can run a little bit. And that's not the case. He is a legit, really good running quarterback. Um, so for anyone that thinks that he's just one of those guys that's quote unquote sneaky athletic, no, he's really athletic and he's fast. So that is a legit threat that other teams have to deal with. If he can learn to harness the accuracy, that mixed with his running ability is going to be basically kind of what we're seeing with Lamar Jackson. You don't know how to defend him. Because are you going to play him to run? Or are you going to play him to pass? So that could be devastating for defenses if he can kind of rein that in a little bit. And I was trying to think of how I could explain Josh Allen's accuracy problems. And the only thing that I could really think of is a baseball analogy. Um, and that's to compare him to... Um, Randy Johnson, when Randy Johnson first broke into the big leagues and he was coming up with the Seattle Mariners, uh, he always had his fastball and he could hit upper 90s and hit triple digits. But the problem was when he was with the Mariners, he didn't know where the hell the ball was going. So he would throw the ball and sometimes it would go completely in the dirt. It would go over the catcher. It would go behind the batter. You just had no idea where it was going when he finally got a little bit older into his career and he got to the diamondbacks and started winning Cy Young awards and winning strikeout awards and all those things, he finally learned how to control his fastball and put it where he wanted. If Josh Allen can learn where to place his fastball, so to speak, he could be a devastating quarterback in this league. I really believe that because like I said, if you have to worry about him running and then he can drop a dime on you and he's got someone like Stefan Diggs to take it to the house or John Brown, that's a big problem. So I don't know if that's going to be this season or not. I tend to believe in the three-year bump. I think that this could be his best season to date. Um, but, yeah, if he can just rein that fastball in a little bit, because we know he's got the arm, if he could just get a little bit more touch, a little bit more accurate, he could be a really good quarterback in this league. So I'm a Josh Allen guy. I, I think he could be really good. Um Agreed. So the other thing that I was going to bring up that I don't know if a lot of people realize this. um, If I asked you guys where the Buffalo Bills defense ranked last year, we'll just say in points per game allowed. Manny, where do you think the Bills ranked? Defense, um, points per game allowed. I would say top five. Okay. Aaron, what would you say? Uh, Top three. Okay, so you guys are smart, so credit to you. They finished second in points per game allowed. So their defense is phenomenal, and I don't know if people realize how good the Bills' defense is. That's not a team you want to play. Sean McDermott coached team, though, and every Eagle fan knows he came from the system of Jim Johnson, rest in peace. 
I mean, the guy, he, he proved himself as a defensive coordinator in Carolina, and now he's a head coach of a team where, unlike Adam Gase, he can't seem to just, you know, understand the thing of being able to have hard work and respect and for, you know, for the, for your players to love you as a coach, you know what I'm saying? And that's the one thing that I believe Sean McDermott has and that he learned um, throughout. Because listen, he's been under Andy Reid and he's been under Ron Rivera. I mean, those two guys are amazing character gentlemen, you know? So, they, you know, it just shows me even more why he's still a head coach and why he's been succeeding in Buffalo. Yeah, I think Sean McDermott's going to be a head coach in the NFL for a long time, as long as he wants mm-hmm. to have the job, because he certainly seems like he's got everything. He's got all the tools. Um, and Leslie Frazier, also on the defensive side as a coordinator, that he's helps. also another yeah, another great <laughs> defensive mind there. So mm-hmm. you got two great defensive minds. Um, you can't go wrong. And like I said earlier, they also have some players on their defensive side of the ball that are phenomenal. Tredavious White, one of the guys I mentioned earlier, um, so this defense is scary good. And I think this coming season, they could be the legit best defense in the NFL. And if that's the case, if the offense is just halfway good, decent average, if they have number one defense, they're going to be fine. They'll make the playoffs easy. Um, I, I personally believe that more often than not defense does win championships. I know there's people that will point to, you know, the Patrick Mahomes and offense and points, but when teams have to play really tough defenses that know what they're doing, it's really tough to beat them. So I think if the bills defense takes another step forward and they're even better than they were, then this is going to be a big problem for the NFL. And people are going to be like, Oh God, we got to worry about, Josh Allen, we got to worry about Stephon Diggs. We have to worry about Devin Singletary. Oh, and also they've got the best defense in the NFL. So, and I don't think anyone wants to play in Buffalo in January, February. Um, no one wants to, you know, go play in that weather. <laughs> so, unless, unless your team city name is Houston, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so one, so one, so one small prediction though, Nick, that I wanted to um, yeah. actually predict here. I truly see. Manny, did you mute your mic? Oh, my bad. My computer just shut off on me. So let me just quickly uh, repeat myself. I just yeah, go one. ahead. Um, uh, I don't start know over. I, I, know, I mean, so just basically, you know how we saw Jim Kelly versus Dan Marino in the late 80s, hitting mm-hmm. into the 90s? I truly feel that with Tua now as a Dolphin, uh, maybe beginning next season or whenever he becomes their starting quarterback, I truly see this division being a Josh Allen versus Tua. Um, kind of battle thing going back and forth between Miami and Buffalo um, for the division. Yeah, it's entirely possible. They, since they're in the same division, they are probably going to be linked for the next several years and could be the next decade. So that's entirely possible. Um, One note that I did want to put out there, just hitting on the defense again. So 
the defensive unit was the first one since the 2004 squad to finish in the top 10 in total defense, run defense, pass defense, and scoring defense. Uh, This past season, the defense ranked third overall, 10th against the run, fourth against the pass, second in points allowed. Uh, They also had top 10 rankings in first downs allowed, uh, third down defense, total takeaways, and sacks. So these guys can do everything. Nothing they can't do. Uh, The last note that I'm going to bring up on the Bills that I thought was worth mentioning was related to their past draft. Um, we've already talked about Devin Singletary. I think he's going to be a really good running back. Um, but they did take Zach Moss with their third round pick 86th overall. And Zach Moss is a very interesting guy from what I saw. It looked like he was pretty special and I was a little surprised that he fell where he did. Um, and based on what I saw, I think it's entirely possible that at some point down the road, the team might say, you know what? Zach Moss is our number one. Devin Singletary might be our number two. Um, So Moss returned for his senior year in 2019, started 11 of the 12 games, uh, rushed for 1,200 yards, 15 touchdowns, and averaged 6.2 yards per rush. He became the first three-time 1,000-yard rusher in school history. And during a Week 7 game against Arizona State, he became the all-time leading rusher for the University of Utah. So he basically showed up, set all the records, blew them all out of the water. Um, He also was the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. So he seems to be what I would think like a first-round talent or second-round talent running back. I don't know how he fell to the third round. I guess people are just devaluing the running back position. But it certainly seems like he's got all the talent in the world and it's possible, like I said, that maybe sometime down the road, Zach Moss actually takes over as the number one guy and becomes kind of the lead back instead of Devin Singletary. Um, so do you guys have anything Buffalo Bills related that you wanted to hit on? Um, not at all. Um, I just truly feel that the Bills fan base has been truly hurt. Uh, me being an Eagles fan, I know the pain of being in those championship games and having to lose, um, you know, a couple in a row and one and whatnot. But, you know, these guys lost the Super Bowl. You know, it's not like they lost the title games of their conferences. So, but at some point, I do feel like all of this will come together. Um, I don't know if they'll win the Super Bowl, but um, I, I, I think the Bills with now Tom Brady and the, and the whole go of the New England Patriots regime now going down. Um, it's, you know, just rambling steps down a mountain. I truly feel that the Buffalo Bills have an excellent opportunity um, to at least represent the AFC East for the next upcoming seasons. That's until Tua, you know, realizes he's Superman in the NFL and then everything for Buffalo comes crashing down. But the time for Buffalo is now, and it begins this season. Yeah, I definitely agree. And to touch on the Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, Nick, I was – I was a little surprised to actually see the Bills draft uh, Zach Moss. I mean, Devin Singletary came in last season as a rookie playing behind Frank Gore. There's a lot of upside to him. Uh, this is his first year to really prove himself as a starting running back. And then they went and got, I mean, it's a, I think it's a good move. They got a solid, what, what looks to be a solid backup running back in Zach Moss. But it makes me wonder a little bit, do they have faith in De- Devin Singletary? Uh, do they plan on doing a uh, shared backfill between Devin and Zach? 
So yeah, it was a little bit of an intriguing pick, and I am surprised he fell that far. But uh, but yeah, other than that, I don't have too much more to add about the Bills. Yeah, it's um, going back to what Manny said. If you're a Bills fan, um, the past couple of seasons have been phenomenal for you because you're finally seeing some consistent winning, and you can see a light at the end of the tunnel. You are relevant. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and going back to the pain that Manny had referenced for those of you that don't know a lot of the history about the bills, they went to four straight super bowls from 1990 to 1993. They went to four straight super bowls and lost all four. Can you imagine making the super bowl four straight years and losing all four? That's tough. That's I would almost as a fan say, I'd rather just take one super bowl appearance and a win going to four straight and losing all four is tough that is tough and they haven't been since so the taste in their mouth is not only have we not won a super bowl we went to four straight and couldn't win one and they haven't been since so there's bills fans that have never even you know seen their team into the playoffs up until a couple seasons ago all they knew was losing and heartache so if you're a bills fan you have to really like the trajectory of the team and where they are now um, we'll wrap up the AFC East with the last team, and that is going to be the New England Patriots, um, Aaron's favorite team. Yeah, the new look Patriots. <laughs> Man, one yeah. player leaves, and it seems like they lost their whole team. <laughs> Tom yeah. Brady. I'm not going to touch too much on their history or their success. Scene. We've already kind of covered it. There was just one thing I wanted to say was that Tom Brady did go to nine Super Bowls, which was is impressive. And of those nine, he did win five. But I would like to point out that two of those five should have an asterisk next to them. 2007 with Tuck Roll and Spygate. And then he got 2008 with Deflategate. <laughs> I, so. <wonder> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder I why. I wonder why. Raiders curse. <laughs> yeah. All right, so listen, listen, Aaron, gonna... <laughs> listen, listen, Aaron, Aaron. If there is any one player that will jump on your bandwagon right there, that's it's Charles Woodson, man, all the way. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> In fact, uh, I saw it's Peyton's places. That have you seen that little? Uh, I don't know if you call it a doc. I guess it's kind of a documentary. Or Peyton Manning meets with some of the NFL it. legends. It's, it's pretty good. I recommend it. It's on ESPN Plus. Uh, he actually meets with Tom Brady. They're screwing around. They're golfing, and he asks him. He asks him, "Were you actually tucking that back in?" And he, he agreed. He said he was tucking it back in, but he'll take the win either way. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I'm happy he, he he at least admitted to it. And uh, what did you say? How many Tom? Or sorry, how many Super Bowls did you say Tom Brady won? Uh, he won five. It's actually six. Is it six? It's he won six. six? I just want to. I will oh. let you know. Tom Brady is the goat. I want to be one I'm less. I'm a Tom Brady stan, and I have to let you know that he's one six. But oh anyway, gosh. continue. Yeah, you know, I'm. All right. Well, I was trying to downplay his success. Thanks, Nick. I know. I and I can't <laughs> let that stand. I, I'm a Tom Brady stan. Oh, six. Dang it. All right. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the correction. Yeah. Right, no problem. Uh, so Brady's gone. You're left with uh, Jarrett Stidham. Stidham. I don't even know how to say his name. I'm not too familiar Stidham. with the guy. Stidham. Silent H. Yes. Stidham. Yeah, he, uh, he has one year in the NFL and has zero starts. And then you have Brian Hoyer, 
who actually got beat out by Stenham last year for the backup role and got dropped by the Patriots. And I mean, this poor guy, he can't seem to produce quality plays to land himself a consistent home at all. He's played with Indianapolis, San Francisco, Chicago, Houston, Cleveland, Arizona, Pittsburgh, and he's also played with New England at another time. So, I mean, he's kind of been all over the place. Yeah, my uh, rule of thumb for that is if you can't play for the Cleveland Browns, you can't play for anybody. Yeah, so he's supposed to be their backup right now. And uh, yeah, I, I'm curious to see how he's going to do. So the offense, I would say, even with Tom Brady last year, they struggled. Um, I mean, they struggled to convert on the third and short plays. Their long ball was missing. Their running game was subject at times. Um, and I mean, like that that was with Brady. So really anticipating any of these quarterbacks like Stenham or Hoyer to step up and have an immediate success, it doesn't seem likely. Um, but somebody does have to fill the position. So I got to ask, Stenham actually starts the season. How many bad games does he have to have before Hoyer actually takes over his position? What are your guys' thoughts? Man, or, I, or do you think Hoyer's going to start the season? I mean, that's always a, pr- a prediction as well. Every Everything that wow. I've heard is this is Stidham's team and he's getting the start from, you know, the jump. Um, I feel like he would have to struggle really, really bad for them to go to Hoyer. Everything that I've heard and everything that I've read, uh, they seem to be really, really high on him, which is why they drafted him. Um, so I'd be shocked if they didn't let him start week one and actually took the job away from him. I think this is his job to lose. And I think it was you, Aaron, earlier in the uh, episode had noted that the Patriots have a pretty good history of drafting quarterbacks. Obviously they took Tom Brady, but that was a six round pick and no one could have thought that that was going to happen. Everyone who says that that was like a genius move. That's a lie. The Patriots got lucky, but drafting Jimmy Garoppolo, they drafted uh, Jacoby Brissett. Um, You know, those guys have gone on to have success of their own. So the Patriots have shown that they do know how to draft quarterbacks relatively well. So they thought really highly of Stidham and they drafted him and they seem to believe in him. So I have no reason to think that Stidham's going to be horrible. Uh, Obviously, there'll be a learning curve because, like you said, he doesn't have any starts. But if, if Bill Belichick... Um, and Josh McDaniels think that he's decent enough to start. I've, I'm not going to question Bill Belichick. Uh, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to name off some names, guys, and I want you to tell me if you feel confident that a, that a starting quarterback in the NFL can have positive numbers, okay? K. Neil Harry, Muhammad Sanu, Marquise Lee, uh, Julian Edelman, Demir Beard, Jacoby Myers, Devin Ross, Sean Riley, Gunnar Olszewski, and Jeff Thomas. Now, I'm not even going to name the tight end positions because the only guy I know on here is Ryan Izzo, and it's not because of Ryan. It's because of his last name, Izzo. He's part of the Izzo family that plays in the NFL. Um, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Uh, Nikhil Harry was a highly drafted wide receiver for the Patriots, I think it was last season. Um, obviously, injuries didn't help um, Brady's cause because here he is throwing to a Mohamed Sanu. Uh, I don't think Marquise Lee was on this team last season, and of course, with Julian Edelman. But we all know 
what's the one position that was missing on this offense, right? That was Rob Gronkowski. Um, you know, you look at the running back positions, they seem pretty stout with Sonny Michelle, Rex Burkhead, um, James White, Brandon Bolden. I mean, these guys seem like they've been there for years. Um, to answer your question, um, Aaron, I feel like this is Mr. Stinham's team. The only way that it is not his team is if, um, you know, he doesn't perform. And by performing, I don't think it's about W's. I think it's about just being able to prove to himself and to Bill Belichick that he can be a prolific passer in this league. You know, he has big shoes to fill. Here he comes. He's, he's going to have to fill the shoes of the GOAT. You know, there's no doubt in our minds, I think, that we could all say that Tom Brady is the GOAT. You know, just have Michael Jordan is the GOAT of basketball. We got the privilege to witness the GOAT in football and Tom Brady. Um, those are heavy shoes to fill, my friend. But, you know, I truly feel it's his spot unless he ends up, you know, in the first two, three weeks, you know, not being able to convert third downs, not being able to just get the team um, on a consistent offensive approach because, you know, uh, Nick, me and you touched it when we were talking about the Dolphins needing a running game. I truly feel that the Patriots, listen, you got all these all these running backs here that have, you know, not mileage, but they have experience. They have talent. That has to show. Um, that's the only way that I feel like Jared Sinem is going to be able to go forward. Uh, and to me, Brian Hoyer only comes in if, you know, Jared Sinem doesn't perform or if there comes an injury. I don't see why you need to go to a Brian Hoyer. You know what Brian Hoyer is. You know, he's like a Matt Castle type. He's a you know, um, I'm trying to think of the Dolphins' backup uh, quarterback that was there for years, and now he just won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs. Um, God, I can't figure out his name. But whatever. Like, basically, you know what a backup quarterback is, and that's what Brian Hoyer is. So, to me, this is, you know, no question. Uh, right, I will. Right. I'll say to that point, I know Manny was making the point that there's really no weapons there in New England. And I'll, all I'll say to that, and I'm not comparing Stidham to Brady, I'm not saying that. All I'm going to say is they do have Josh McDaniels, who's proven to be a really good offensive mind. Good point. And the Patriots, as a team, have shown in the past that you don't need explosive weapons to have a good enough offense. And but you had Brady, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not making that's the, the comparison that, that Brady is his Stidham and they're the same, but they've shown in the past that you don't always have to have the household names because um, the Patriots have had amazing offenses with guys like Kevin Falk, Wes Welker, Dante Stallworth, Ben Watson. Randy like Moss. They've, yeah, they did have Randy Moss for a couple yeah. seasons, but they also never won a Super Bowl with Randy Moss either. So yeah. they never won they, the Super Bowl with Wes Welker either. Remember that one? Yeah, I know. That's crazy. Right? You, would think, you would think for as long as he was there that he would have gotten one. That's Bro, Wes Welker, weird. a quick thing on Wes Welker, and I'm getting off topic, but it's it's hilarious how this man here caught most passes ever in both of those seasons that his team made it to the Super Bowl, and both Super Bowl, and both results ended up in losses. I mean, is there another guy besides him and Brandon Cooks that just have bad luck? Like, their teams make the Super Bowl, and they lose. They never win. Yeah, it, <laughs> that's tough. I don't know. Nick mentioned the the Bills four four well, row losses. Well, so. hey, yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, I, I will say though, Danny Amendola got his Super Bowl win with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. All right, our our boy there at the Rams moved yeah. over to the Patriots bro, and got a Super Bowl. Aaron David Gibbons won a Super Bowl for the freaking Patriots, bro. Yeah. Who's David Gibbons now? Like what? Who? Yeah. 
All right, sorry, man. I know I probably <laughs> there. My bad. <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right. So I want to throw a little bit of a curveball in there. All right, talking about the quarterback position. Do you guys see the Patriots being one of the teams that potentially brings in Kaepernick for training camp and uh, giving him the opportunity to compete? Go ahead, Manny. No, no, no. Please go ahead. The floor is yours. Go first. Uh, <laughs> uh, my my take on this is going to be pretty quick. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, Bill Belichick is the kind of head coach that is no media, no distractions, None of the outside stuff. Antonio he, Brown. He filters. Oh, well, he's not on the team anymore. They cut him, what, yeah. after three weeks? Uh, so Bill Belichick is a no-nonsense guy. He is not going to want to deal with that circus at all. He won't even want to take the question. Not because he's. I think he's racist or anything. I think he just won't even want to deal with it because he's just so anti-media, anti-press conference. So he would never even entertain that idea because that's way too much of a circus for him and his team. So I, I would say absolutely not. Does it make Man. sense? Does it make sense on the field? Absolutely. I think, I think um, I, I'm, I, I truly believe that Colin Kaepernick still has an opportunity to win in this league uh, when given a, a fair shot. Now, when you look at the Patriots organization, unfortunately, I don't feel that that's a team he should be on just because of everything that involves with the team itself and Robert Kraft and with the issues that they've had before. Um, the whole allegations with Robert Kraft, um, his whole thing in, in Florida, which of course we talked about earlier in the pod, everything happens in Florida. And yeah. voila, Aaron Hernandez, another guy that mm-hmm. went to Florida. Um, you know, it's just those things that I don't, you know, of course they just came out of one, one little thing there with Antonio Brown. Um, you know, there's just too many things surrounding the Patriots when it comes to the media itself. And I just, unfortunately, I don't think it's the right fit for Colin Kaepernick, I guess, when it's off the field stuff. But on the field, I mean, geez, like, to me personally, you put him. Um, but I guess it, the the question should also be asked, guys, what is Colin Kaepernick now? I mean, we haven't seen the man in a couple of seasons. And, and I, I only remember him being stopped by Kiko Alonso when he was part of the Niners here um, against the Dolphins on a fourth and goal play, and he got stuffed in, you know, inside the five. That's the last time I remember what Colin Kaepernick looked in an NFL uniform. So I guess it also goes to say, you know, yeah, we, we can see tape on him and see how that he's in shape, but that doesn't mean he can play quarterback. So that's another thing. I feel like he should definitely get a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and- no, I mean, I'm not going to lie. If the Rams ever made that call, I, hey, I'm all for it. I know there's reports about there for the Chargers to do it, but I wouldn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, why not take a shot on the guy that could potentially help your team? I don't see the issue with that. Yeah, I actually saw that report today that the Chargers are considering working him out, and I personally think that that's probably the best situation for him because he'd be going to a team that – it doesn't, they have a rookie quarterback that they just drafted that they probably would like to sit for a little bit. Um, big market team like LA, a lot of social issues going on in LA right now that he could be the voice for and give credence to. Mm-hmm. And there's a, you know, the new stadium there's, we've seen all joking aside that we do to chargers fans, the chargers fans in LA are non-existent 
they don't have fans in LA, but if you sign Colin Kaepernick, that is going to bring people to the game. That's going to make people say, you know what? I wasn't a fan before, or I was kind of a fan of another team, but now we have Colin Kaepernick and I believe in what he's saying. And I believe in all these other issues and I'll be a chargers fan. So I feel like the chargers would probably be his best bet. And I feel like the chargers, it'd be a win-win situation for them, both on the field and off the field. Um, so, but I definitely feel like he deserves at least to get some legitimate tryouts because we've seen with Tom Brady, Drew Brees, uh, these quarterbacks now can play into their forties. So if Colin Kaepernick can get back into the league and, you know, get his feet back under him, who's to say he can't play for a couple more seasons or five more seasons or whatever. Yeah. He's only 32. So if he gets back in the league and warms up but you make an outstanding argument with the chargers i think that'd be an awesome spot for him all right so i want to kind of transition over into the running back position the uh, patriots have an entourage of running backs between sony michelle james white brandon bolden rex burkhead and then they have the second year running back out of alabama damian harris so sony michelle kind of i mean he looked like their primary ball handler a little handler last season he had 247 attempts and 912 yards uh then james white looked like their backup guy he contributed more i would say in the receiving end he had 72 receptions for 645 yards then you throw in rex burkhead who i mean his stats weren't as impressive as james white on receiving or as impressive as sony michelle's in rushing but he kind of touched uh he was pretty he was used in both aspects in the backfield too. So Sony Michelle's coming in this season. He just had, he just underwent foot surgery. Uh, He's looking to start training camp on the pup list. If he's not ready to go start season, who do you think is going to be the number one back on this team? And then who do you think has the best opportunity to really prove themselves on a running back. I mean, like, like I said, they had the second year running back, Damian Harris. Do you think he has an opportunity to really prove himself with, or even get a better opportunity to step in as a, a legitimate running back? If Sony Michelle's out. Manny, you want to take that one first? Yeah. I mean, I, I listen, I watch a lot of SEC ball. Um, if I had to put money on that, I'd probably go with Damian Harris. Um, we kind of know what James White is though, right? He's that, you know, he's that, um shotgun running back he'll move into the slot he'll go into a and 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 you know he'll go into that x or y spot for a wide receiver and he's just so good at catching the ball um we know what a rex burkhead is with a brandon bolden in a sense like you know we'll see them on special teams but when it all comes down to it i truly feel it's either sony michelle or it's damian harris and aaron you just mentioned that sony michelle is going to start on the pup list um before training camp so I think Damon Harris has an absolute wonderful opportunity here to take over the reins at that position. And I truly feel like, you know, the Patriots haven't really been able to rely on one guy at that position since probably Curtis Martin, you know, and that goes way back into the old Jersey days of the uh, Patriots. So, um, you know, if I had to put money on it, yeah, I do agree. I think Damon Harris has an excellent opportunity. Obviously, listen, we know what Sonny Michel is. You know, he's a power back. He's a speedster. You know, we saw him at Georgia, but you know, if there was any, if there was any opportunity of Damian Harris putting a stamp 
on this team, it's definitely this upcoming season, especially at the uh, start of camp. I would assume just based on prior history that they would go with James White and they would give him the chance to mm-hmm. be the number one guy and see what he had. Um, but you make a good point because like you said, he, he, the guy put up numbers in college and he was good. So, um, but, no, I was... <laughs> but, but I mean, like Nick, like when you see James White, like, yeah, he can run the ball, but his best attribute was, you know, being that running back out of the backfield with them screens and being able to line oh, yeah. up in an X, Y position when the Patriots will go, you know, all out wide in a shotgun. And it was always, you know, James White, James White, James White. So that's, yeah, you know, it, so it, it will depend, I think, on what like worst case scenario, Sony Michelle goes down. How does Josh McDaniels alter the offense? Because I, I would assume at that point they, they would say, OK, well, we can't run as much, so we're going to have to pass more. So which I would assume they would do more short passes, quick slants, uh, screens to running backs, things like that. And if that's what you're going to do and you're going to spread out the field, then you would use more James White because you would use him more in the shotgun. You would throw more screens to him. So it's all going to depend on what Josh McDaniels views, you know, best suits the offense and how they're how they're rolling. Um, If they decide that, you know, that's not the way to go, then maybe Harris gets the ball and, and they're like, hey, dude, this is your this is your ball. Run the hell out of it. Show us what you got. So. All right. Nice. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, yeah, I think Damian Harris has a, a golden opportunity if Sony Michelle doesn't come in uh, to start the season. So be exciting to see. Um, and so I, uh, my last question here, Nick, you had mentioned that the Buffalo Bills were the number two defense in the league last year. Well, I like mm-hmm. to say that the AFC East had the top two defensive teams in the league last year with the Patriots the being AFC num- beast. Yeah. The Patriots the being number beast, one. Baby. <laughs> uh, so the Patriots led the league uh, in a few categories, but uh, I mean, most of their defensive stats, they were in the top quarter of the league. Um, some of the, some of the stats that they led the league in least amount of completions at three Oh three, least passing touchdowns at 13 least rushing touchdown yeah at least rushing touchdowns at seven and points scored yes it is and uh points scored 225 so i would say that is a pretty darn good defense and going into the offseason i don't i mean correct me if i'm wrong i don't think they really lost any of their key personnel from the defense of last season i believe uh, kyle van noy might be the big name Kyle Van Noy. Oh, they yeah. did lose somebody. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's about outside, it, though. Um, outside linebacker. I don't think. That's yeah, that's about it. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's not I mean, like a devastating loss. And they replaced him with. No, yeah, uh, but um, he was their. Yeah. He was their. I, he definitely was one of their stalwart guys. Um, I think the move that they oh made to God. replace him was drafting. I'm going to butcher his name. Josh, Josh Uche. Um, Uche, I think that Uche. was another guy. Oh, from Michigan. From yeah, Michigan, right? that I think yeah. that was the play there. I think that's why they drafted him, and that was another guy that I really wanted the Rams to take that they didn't. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's probably why they drafted him because he's going to be the Kyle Van Noy replacement. 
the next guy, the next step in. All right, cool. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, this defense is still pretty. Still... Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say those numbers are insane. I just I can't get over yeah. how you could play 16 weeks of NFL football and your defense gives up 13 passing touchdowns and seven rushing touchdowns. That's crazy. Right? Those aren't even video it's game outrageous. numbers. You can't even... You can't even do that in a video game. That's insane. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty outstanding. So, I mean, I'm looking at this team now. Yeah, the, the quarterback is a question mark. The whole offense, I guess you could say, potentially is a little bit of a question mark. But looking at how dominant this defense was last year and the potential for them to be dominant again this year, I mean, do you see this team as a legitimate division champion or playoff even super bowl contender just based off of their defense oh they still have matthew slater on special teams so you never know i'm just kidding um (laughs) matthew matthew slater has been there forever he has it seems like he's been there since like 2004 um well based on the way you worded the question do i think they could be a playoff team because of their defense yes What about Super Bowl contender? That is, I would say, no. As of now, sight unseen without knowing what Jarrett Stidham and the rest of the offense can do, I would say no, Super Bowl is is a stretch. But to say, I personally, this is getting into a bit of a spoiler for later on in the show, I think the Patriots are a wild card team. So I think they can make the playoffs. I just don't think a deep run in the playoffs is probable. Cool. How about you, Manny? What do you think? No, I mean, I'm I'm going to agree with Nick here. I think that the defense could be good enough to make the playoffs, especially with having extra spots um, this season going into it. But at the end of the day, to win a Super Bowl, you got to have a quarterback. I don't think Jason Stenham is that guy. Not saying he can't be a Brad Johnson to a great defense or a Trent Dilfer to a great defense um, that could win you the Super Bowl on a great run. Um, you know, because when you look at the Patriots defense, they still got good names, man. The McCourtney brothers, Patrick Chung, Stephon Gilmore, Dante Hightower, Brandon Copeland, you know, like Lawrence Guy. Like, these guys are no slouches. You know, they've been there for quite some time. They know the system. Um, They just won the Super Bowl two years back. Um, You know, so can they make the playoffs in a division, which when you put it by paper, you know what I'm saying? Like, like we just explained, the Bills have a wonderful opportunity to become that team. But obviously, they're very young. They're just up and coming. Um, you know, Nick pointed it out. Their schedule wins weren't really that impressive. But you can only play the teams that you have on the schedule. You know, you can't play every team that's over 500 every single week. You know, so the defense gives this an opportunity, this team an opportunity to make the playoffs. But once it's all said and done, you know, they're going to be in there facing a Houston high-powered offense. With a good defense, they're going to be in there facing Baltimore. They're going to be in there facing Kansas, Kansas City, exactly. Yeah. And I just can't see how you know this team is going to go into Baltimore. It's going to go into Kansas City. It's going to go into any of those. You know, who knows? Maybe they got to go to Buffalo again. You know, I, I just don't see how this team can win. You know, not having a guy like Tom Brady. Cool. All right, guys, that's it yeah. for me. So they're. Uh... The Patriots schedule this season is, from what I can tell, it's going to be pretty tough. Um, In addition to playing the AFC East, 
they're also playing the um, NFC, NFC West. West. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're also playing some other really tough teams in the AFC. So uh, they got to play the Seahawks. They have to play the Raiders. They have to play the Broncos, which I think the Broncos with Drew Locke are going to be a different animal. Interesting to see how the Broncos look this year. Uh, they have to play Super Bowl representative uh, 49ers. They have to play the Ravens. Uh, they have to play the Cardinals. They have to play the Chargers. They're going to play the Rams. Um, so the Patriots' schedule is going to be pretty tough. Um, so if they do make the playoffs, granted it is an expanded format like Manny mentioned, but if they do make the playoffs, I mean, they're going to have to earn it. That's a pretty tough schedule in my opinion. Yeah, no, that's definitely challenging. Uh, so we'll go ahead and we'll wrap up with some end of season predictions. Um, the I'll just go. We'll go Manny, Aaron, and and I'll I'll finish up. Uh, the first one we'll do is best offensive player. So who do you think from the AFC East is going to put up a really good season, a monster season, make the Pro Bowl, however you want to phrase it. So, Manny, I'll go to you first. Who do you think from the AFC East is going to be that breakout offensive guy? I'm going to have to say Stephon Diggs, man. You convinced me. Um, You know, you kind of broke down their offense. You kind of broke down what Josh Allen is and what he can become. And I truly feel that, you know, this is probably what the team needed. And this is definitely what Stephon needed is just to get away from the Adam Thielen, you know, Minnesota connection and to just put his stamp on something. Um, on a new direction. So I'm going to go with Stefan Diggs and I expect him to have over a thousand yards over, you know, what, what um, I think Aaron, you mentioned he had um, John Brown had over 70 catches. I mean, that's John Brown. Yep. Like, this is not Julio Jones. So you mean yeah. to tell me that if a John Brown can catch 70 catches in this offense, Stefan Diggs can easily catch 80 to 90. Um, you know, and he's going to open things up and I expect multiple touchdowns. Maybe, Maybe who knows? Maybe he, maybe has a you know a breakout season for a Bills wide receiver that we haven't seen since maybe Andre Reed or Eric Molds. You know. Mm-hmm. And Aaron, who do you have? Yeah, I'm gonna stay with the Buffalo Bills too, but I'm gonna go with Josh Allen. And I, I think I already talked him up a little bit, but I mean the guy can run. He's got a he's got a strong arm. He's progressed each i mean he's only been in two seasons but he's progressed so i'm expecting him to progress this season he's got uh another star wide receiver now and stefan Diggs to compliment john brown he's got that cole beasley who kind of just is always there for those little dump passes and then he, he's got i think devin singletary and zach moss stepping in at running back is going to help contribute to the offense that takes some pressure off of him I see this guy having an outstanding season this year. So we're gonna we're entering the territory of we're officially a Buffalo Bills podcast in addition to being a Rams podcast. I'm also I'm also picking a Bills player. I'm also picking Stefan Diggs. Uh, I've already talked him up enough. I think that the potential for him to have an amazing season is there. Last season, he only had 63 catches. I feel like he could easily blow that number out of the water. Uh, he had 1,100 receiving yards. I think he could also blow that out of the water. And he only had six touchdowns last season. And I think it's fully within reason to expect him to double that and get 12. So 
Stefan Diggs is my pick. I, 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 you know, would also, uh, pick him up if you're like a fantasy football person. Uh, I feel like he's going to be one of those guys that could be very valuable this season. Uh, so the next one we'll do is best defensive player. So again, who do you think from the AFC East is going to be that guy that's putting up the numbers could be a defensive player of the year pro bowl. Uh, so Manny I'll go to you first. Who do you think could be that guy? I'm going to go with a rookie, man. He, he also comes out of my hometown here in Miami, Florida. I'm going with Josh Uche. Um, watched, ah. them, watched them a lot at Michigan. Obviously I do watch Ohio state a lot, but um, Josh Uche was definitely a guy that people didn't see um, how high his ceiling was coming out of high school. Obviously, his senior, his sorry, his junior and senior year, he absolutely blew up the the whole college recruiting landscape in a sense and landed at Michigan. Unfortunately, I I would have hoped he would have gone somewhere else because seems like Michigan hasn't won anything since Harbaugh arrived. Um, but yeah. you know, I look at Josh Uche, man, and what a perfect position and situation for him. No more Kavanaugh, like we just said. Um, you know, the Patriots. They have middle linebackers. What they don't have is that pass rusher on the edge, and that's what Josh Uche does. He creates those one-on-one opportunities, and you know I've seen it um, throughout high school all, all the way to college. He definitely gets to the quarterback. Now, um, I don't know what system defensively um, Bill Belichick would, is going to put him in. Um, I don't want to see him covering anyone because, to me, he should – should just be that guy to rush the quarterback. Um, but, you know, it should be interesting. But I feel like with the amount of talent the Patriots have on defense, especially in that back end, I feel like Josh Uche has a perfect opportunity to uh, become rookie of the year and um, probably um, lead the league in tackles if it's not going to be – I'm sorry, in sacks. Um, if it's not going to be, you know, J.J. Watt or, of course, our beast in L.A., man, Aaron Donald for sure. But um, Josh Uche will be on that top five, though, range to me. Um, once the season ends in total sacks. That is a bold, bold <laughs> pick to pick a rookie. Um, but I I don't hate it because like I said, I wanted the Rams to take him. So I I <laughs> so, think yeah. he's gonna be really good. Um and he's gonna be in that Belichick defense. So you never know. Uh Aaron, who do you think is gonna be the guy? I was going to stick with the defensive player of the year last year and Stefan Gilmore. I don't think he's going to let up. I think he's going to have another productive season. He gets to play teams like the Dolphins twice, the Jets twice, the Chargers. I don't want to admit it, but he does play the Raiders, the Giants, the Panthers, the Lions, all teams I think he can have success with. And then he gets the opportunity to go against some of the tougher competition like the Chiefs, the 49ers, um, the Ravens, the Texans. So... Um, this guy was outstanding last year. I think he's going to be outstanding again this year. Yeah, he is one of those legit cornerbacks that you can put him on an island and you don't have to worry about that side of the field. Um, my, my, my defensive player is also from Buffalo. So, yep, this is a Buffalo <laughs> Bills podcast. Wow. Um, I'm picking the middle linebacker, Tremaine Edmonds. Um, oh, he's, okay. been in, he's been in the league for two seasons. And he's only 22. That's crazy. He's been in the NFL for two years, and he's only 22 years old. And he's only so, going to get better, for yeah, sure. <laughs> he's obviously super young, super athletic, super fast. Um, last season, 
he only recorded one interception and only one and a half sacks, but he did have 115 tackles. So he's going to get in space. He's not going to miss tackles. And he was also named to the Pro Bowl last year as an alternate. So this is going to be his third year. Like I said before, I'm a big believer in that three-year bump. So I think this season he could take a big step forward and be that guy that kind of leads that Bills defense. And he's going to be that guy that offensive coordinators go into the meetings and they're going to say, hey, we can't let this guy beat us. What are we going to do to neutralize Tremaine Edmonds? So I feel like a big season from him um, is on the horizon. Uh, The next one we'll do is best rookie. So, Manny, who do you think is going to be the best rookie coming out of the AFC East? I feel like maybe <laughs> it could be Josh Uche, but maybe you have someone else. Uh, I want to say Josh Uche, but just to, you know, spark some conversation. I'm going to go with Tua, man. There's something okay. that tells me that Tua is going to come in earlier than most people have, they think. Um, you know, I think it's important to give a rookie an equal amount of snaps in his first season. Um, you know, obviously other coaches that, you know, are kind of like the old school mentality. No, you're going to sit behind a guy. You're going to learn from him and you, we're going to see what happens after that. But I think in today's NFL, you need to be, you need to be hands-on. Um, there's just, like I you know, first mentioned, there's just so much you can learn from a playbook, so much you can see on film and so much you can do on the practice field. You need to get those snaps in, um, you know, and, you know, like why not learn a lot? you know, from when you play New England with Bill Belichick and why not learn a lot when you play the Buffalo Bills and the Sean McDermott defense? You know, those are two styles of defenses that could possibly win Super Bowls. And I'd want my rookie guy to be out there and to see how he is, you know, his first time around. And, you know, the first couple of games against those teams might not go his way. But guess what? It's not on film. Let's see what he does. What are his adjustments? Those are things that... I think and I want to believe that Tua has the 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 tools needed um, to improve on those things. So that's why I'm going to go with Tua. I know, uh, like like we've said already in the last couple of podcasts, um, you know, you guys are not big Tua guys. I am. I Like I said, I watch a lot of SEC football being in the area. And, you know, I just, I don't know, there's just something about him. There's something about him. Well, like I've said in the past, I'm not rooting for him to be bad. Um, I hope you just want me to be wrong. That's what it is. No, 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 no. I I don't root for anybody to be bad. I hope he's good. I just like I, you know, like you said, I'm not a big believer. But I don't mind. I don't mind being wrong. If he's good, then fine. I'm cool with it. Uh, Aaron, who do you think is going to be the rookie to watch coming out of the East? Tua. Oh my God. Uh, I, do, I think he's going to come in much earlier than maybe you guys anticipated with the mid-season part. And I think he has an opportunity to either crash and burn or step up and produce. Uh, I mean, he's going to be handling every offensive snap if he starts. And I think that alone gives him a, a good opportunity to produce some numbers over maybe some of these defensive players. But I mean, he's a solid player out of Alabama. I've, I haven't watched him play a whole lot, but I have seen some games out of him, and he, he seems pretty good. So I I see a lot of upside for him if the Dolphins don't have a complete collapse. If he could win at least six games, he's already better than last season, and he's their savior and the greatest thing ever. So Since then, we're going to 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm choosing to. Uh... All right. Well, that's a bridge too far. You guys pissed me off. And now I officially hate Tua. I want him to suck. No, I'm just kidding. Um, oh, the Red Sox fan in you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so what Bills, what Bills rookie are you going with? Uh, I could have gone. I could have gone with Zach Moss, but I didn't. Actually, I'm going with another player that I really wanted the Rams to draft, and we already talked about him earlier when we were talking about the Jets. Uh, wide receiver Denzel Mims. Uh, I really wanted the Rams to take him. I was really hoping that he could be that guy to come in and um, play alongside Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and kind of replace Brandon Cooks. Um, He's a big kid. He's, you know, 6'2". He ran a 4'3", And last year, his senior season at Baylor, he had 66 catches for over 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns. So nothing I saw led me to believe that he wouldn't be a really good NFL wide receiver. Um, so if Sam Darnold and the offense can click and do something, I feel like Denzel Mims would kind of be maybe not the center, but a big piece of that. So I would love to see Denzel Mims come out and, you know, put up some awesome numbers and, and be like that breakout rookie guy. Um, last thing we'll do is our end of season uh, division standings predictions. And if you want to give win loss, you can, um, but I'll go ahead and go to you first, Manny. Who do you think, you know, how do you think this division shakes out at the end of the season, top to bottom or bottom to top, however you want to do it? I think the Bills, um, they pick up and run away with it, but I also feel like the Patriots will be right behind them. But in the end of the season, I think um, the, not the, not the immaturity, but the inexperience from the Patriots offense without having Brady, I think, um, comes into effect here. And um, I do see them making a playoff spot because of their defense. So I'm going to go Buffalo, New England, Miami, New York. Um, I don't like that Jets situation. I don't like the route that it's going. I don't think that I'll get any better anytime soon. Um, so, and you know, like, like, you know, I, it, it just feels like the Jets have the opportunity to do something as well. It's just when your head coach at the top doesn't seem to be getting, al- you know, getting along with your star players, that's a pretty big issue, you know, because in college you can have 90 plus guys on the roster and you can pick and choose in the pros in the NFL. You got to have your starting lineup and if those starting lineups don't really have a good cohesive, um, you know, thing going on. I just don't see how they, that can transfer um, into wins. Yeah. Um, all fair points, all good points. Uh, Aaron, what do you think? Yeah, mine's almost the same as Manny. So I have the Bills winning the division, but I have the Patriots close behind. But I am thinking the Jets are going to commit at number three ahead of the Dolphins. Because I think the Dolphins are just terrible. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like the Jets either. But uh, I, I, I mean, the Dolphins and Jets are going to be head to head for last place in that division. And I think the Jets are going to pull ahead. <laughs> what a uh, what a prize to win. A top, <laughs> a top five pick in next year's draft. Um, yes. How crazy would that be if the Jets were like another dumpster fire and they drafted... Um, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence and <laughs> Sam Darnold's like, all right, oh later, pal. Didn't work out here. Go get Mono somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So my uh, predictions are going to be the same thing as Manny. I think the Bills win the division. I think the Patriots finish second, and they make a wild card uh, uh, berth in the playoffs. I think the Dolphins finish behind the Patriots. I feel like um, they are going to do better than some people think. Um, and I think the Jets are obviously finishing in the basement of the division. And uh, I wouldn't surprise me if they won less than five games. Um I just I, the fact that they even won like seven last year kind of blows my mind. So um, I guess I could be wrong. They could win another seven, but I feel like anything more than five or four is like gravy because I, I don't see it. I just I don't see it. Not a believer. Um, so that's it. That's all I have. Unless you guys have something else you wanted to hit on before we take off. Is there any NFL news notes? Anything you guys wanted to hit on before we go? No, well, just one thing, Nick. Um, you had mentioned to us that before that we do have listeners in South Korea and in England. I just want to say thank you, guys. I don't know who you are. Uh, we do appreciate the support and whatnot. Um, if you're on Twitter though, just make sure to please follow us at the uh, at Mob Squad Pod and also at our home Twitter base at LA at um, Rams Nation LAX as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I was looking at that earlier just to kind of see where we were from a numbers perspective and a very small audience, but we still have people apparently who are listening in uh, Canada, the UK, Germany, South Korea. Um, So that's awesome. That's cool. That's really cool. Uh, So thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, Aaron, did you have anything? I have nothing to add. You guys got it. Okay. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. It was a pretty deep, deep dive into the AFC East. Uh, we're over two hours here. So that was a pretty deep dive into the AFC East. Yeah. Um, uh, like Manny said, follow us on Twitter. Um, and by all means, if you guys want to ask us questions, ask us questions. Um, Aaron is at American Airhead. Manny's at Manny, uh, what is it? Underscore 17? Correct. Okay, Manny underscore 17. I'm at Week Sauce 13. So feel free to hit us up, uh, ask us questions, whatever. Um, and we'll be looking forward to talking to you guys next time.